It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Premier Fantasy Football Podcast, powered by Pro Football Network. I'm your co-host for today, Tommy Garrett, fantasy analyst here at Pro Football Network. You can find myself over on Twitter at Tommy Garrett PFN. Before we dive into some recent news and also kind of cover some guys that we think are overrated and underrated, kind of based off ADP, our own rankings, and we're seeing them fall on draft boards, let's go ahead and bring in our co-host for today, Fellow Angeles here at PFN, a friend of everyone, Mr. Jason Katz. You can find him over at Jason Katz 13. Katz, dude, it's it's kind of nice. We actually have a little bit of news we kind of get to talk about. Um, I know I'm excited for training camps. You kind of ready for the season to get started? Oh, yeah. I mean, by the time you guys hear this, it will be officially August, and, and that is full steam ahead. Every How? training camp, I, I don't know. It, it every year, every year it's the same story. It's like, how is it insert date here already? And I just, it feels like we just got past uh, the last season and, and the grind that comes with that. And, and now we're about to start it all over. And, and I got to be honest, I, I feel like a masochist, but I'm excited about it. I really am. I'm the same way. It's like, I know like by week 10 or whatever, I'm going to be hating life or especially when the first like bipocalypse happens and I've got a whole roster. I can't even start and I'm going to be upset. I'll remember back on this moment. Be like, Hey, look, remember you wanted this. You asked for this to happen. You willingly signed up for it. Um, so yeah, it's we'll all cross that bridge when we get there. But with training camp starting, we have seen a slew of news come down the pipeline, both good and bad. So we'll kind of cover some of this right now. Out as we said, like when we're recording this versus when it's going to come out. This should this will still be relevant. There might be some updates on things here and there. So be sure to check out. Uh, profootballnetwork.com also make or check out our twitter platforms head over to our discord server as well where if there's any new information on there any new articles you can check everything out on those websites um so kind of keep kind of keep you guys a little more in depth rather than just having the one episode right now the way it is uh the first one kind of expected i know cats you called this last year when it happens um that is the unfortunate injury that has now forced chris carson to announce his retirement from the seattle seahawks suffered a neck injury which required surgery Played in only four games last year. It's just, it's unfortunate. One of the more underrated running backs for like about three, about three years uh, when he came out of Oklahoma State. Unfortunately, hanging up the cleats for right now. It's not officially retirement time. He hasn't put in the papers yet, but it's, it's looking like it's unlikely we see Chris Carson play. And this is kind of assumed by everyone. If you look kind of ADP, Rashad Penny and um, Kenneth Walker were already going ahead of him. So this kind of seems to be what people were expecting. One we weren't expecting was James Robinson avoiding the pup list as he comes back from his torn Achilles he suffered last year. Uh, this is this is big. Um, normally, I don't put too much emphasis on pup, act, uh, pup designations, NFI lists, things like that. 
But to see James Robinson avoid the pup list for the starting training camp, that does give us some hope for that. You know what? He could be healthy for the start of the season. It'll be interesting to see how training camp kind of continues to move on. We'll kind of get some more input from uh, from Ports where us, we'll especially here at Pro Football Network, we'll be down there at Jacksonville Jaguars camp, kind of see how things are running. So I think it'll be cool to see how Travis Etienne and James Robinson kind of work together in what should be a, a pretty conducive bat running back situation uh, under Doug Peterson, who has had success using multiple running backs. Speaking of another team getting healthy, Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins. They are both on the pup list. However, it's more precautionary right now as they are both coming back from ACL injuries they happened to suffer last year because Baltimore Ravens cannot get their practice field put together. Like, that thing is just garbage. Like I, I joke, but still. Get, get real turf, Baltimore. You're better than this. Um, but they are back. They are on the pup list right now. And as with all these guys you see on the pup list, when it is still uh, during training camp, so long as they are removed prior to week one, they are not forced to miss the minimum four weeks. So right now, just consider this as guys getting the rest and coming back. Another one we're seeing who is on also kind of dealing with this pup list, I think it's something we want to talk about a little bit more right now. Chris Godwin was able to avoid the pup list for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's important because he had a late season ACL tear. So to see him back out there is very good. It's promising for his status coming forward into week one. However, we will always caution fantasy managers just because someone is back does not mean they are back to what they were. They're healthy enough to be on the field, not necessarily back to 100%. Kind of look back with Saquon Barkley, early season Odo Beckham Jr., two examples we can talk about. And also, wasn't the only news for the Tampa Buccaneers. They also brought in seven-time Pro Bowler, future Hall of Famer, former All-Pro, like you name it, he's got it. Julio Jones signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is interesting. They have basically replaced uh, Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Brown with Julio Jones and Kyle Rudolph. I think this is the first one we kind of have a little bit of, of, of a talking point here. What do you think about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers kind of situation with them getting Chris Godwin, avoiding the pup, and also bring in Julio Jones? What are your first reactions and thoughts on this one, Katz? Yeah, both of these things are fantasy relevant. And what we need to figure out is is how exactly do they impact all the players on this team? Of course, more players, good for Tom Brady. That's always a net positive because if you have Brady, you don't really care who he's throwing to. As long as yeah. throwing for yards and touchdowns. From the perspective of the wide receivers, Mike Evans is still the wide receiver one. And he just he remains uh, a late second, early third round pick. But I do think that the likelihood of Godwin possibly playing week one or if not early in the season, that should ding Evans a little bit. I mean, we were all super high on him with the belief that he could potentially have this wide receiver role to himself for he was possibly for both of us. Yeah, easily. And I didn't really move him out of that. It's more of that maybe I'm a little bit behind some some running backs just because now it's possible that even if Godwin doesn't play week one, there were initially reports that he may have been out until possibly November or even December with the Bucks exercising extreme caution, figuring they'll probably make the playoffs and they want him back. Six, eight weeks. Yeah. Now, even if he doesn't start week one, I would, I would expect that he's probably going to return sometime in October at, at the latest, which means we're not getting as much of Evans as that guy as we expected, which means I don't know if that 25% target share we were kind of hoping in a ceiling outcome is, is plausible. I still think he'll push 20%, which he has not gotten to in either of his two seasons with Tom Brady, but it, it does dig him a little bit. As for uh, Godwin himself, of course, his ADP is going to skyrocket with this, with this news. People were initially drafting him higher. The news came out, plummeted down for the seventh, eighth round. I do expect it to, to climb back up 
toward the fourth round unless we get some bad news between now and the hard fantasy draft season. And then finally, we've got Julio Jones. At this point in his career, I don't think he has much left to offer. I think Julio Jones more, his presence kind of impacts everyone else, knocking them down a little bit because he's, he's going to play. He's going to get some, some work. I think he hurts Russell Gage more than anyone else because if – if he is get it, getting on the field, it will be at Gage's expense, not at Evans or Godwin. There's no way he's going to take anything away from those two. It'll be more like uh, it'll it'll be like like Antonio Brown's role last year, except he won't command anywhere near as high of a target share because he's simply not as good at this point in his career as a beast was and still is. I mean, I still think AB is a top ten talent in the NFL right now. Unfortunately, uh, physically he is, mentally not so much. I, I don't even know where to go with Antonio Brown in this one, but I, I agree with on the talent side of things outside of what happens off the field. I got absolutely nothing like uh, we'll never forget that image of Antonio Brown literally doing jumping jacks and the Jets end zone going off the field like that's still just a ridiculous situation. We even saw that. I'm pretty much with you on the Godwin Evans Julio gauge whole love triangle kind of thing. I'm still in on Mike Evans. I'm not going to change him too much. I think he's still going to be inside that top 10. Um, Chris Godwin, more than likely when drafts come around, he'll be around that top 24 range at his position. And then Julio Jones is going to move up into the wide receiver 40 kind of range. I have a feeling in most drafts, um, because it's name value. It's Julio Jones, like one of the best receivers of his generation. But I think that name value is probably going to be inflating his ADP a little bit more than what the likely results will be on the field. Um, I like both these guys. I'm still very much in on Mike Evans especially in the early part of the year where Chris Godwin was still coming back. And then as we've seen these last two years, Julio Jones is just one hamstring injury away from landing on the IR, something that was never a concern throughout his entire career, but kind of tarnished his time while he was in Tennessee. Um, obviously, it's a good time to be Tom Brady because you're getting these guys back, and we know the volume is there. This team led the NFL in pace of play and passing play percentage. So if they want to get these guys going, they can absolutely do it. Um, so yeah, I'm in. I think it'll be interesting to watch. Um, another team that's going to be interesting to watch will be the Kansas City Chiefs. CEH winding up on the pup list was something none of us really anticipated. It's kind of news to all of us. He did participate in individual drills like on Wednesday, like on that Wednesday that happened uh, as that RB1. We'll kind of see what happens, what's going on there. From what I'm hearing from beat reports, it's nothing too severe, nothing, nothing should we should be worried about. But I think it's going to bring a little more interest and eyes onto Ronald Jones and really make people kind of dive into what this backfield is going to look like. Some other guys winding up on the pup list, Hollywood Brown with an hamstring out there in Arizona. Funny enough, that's also the exact same thing that happened to him last year. He was on the pup list during training camp uh, during the preseason because of a hamstring injury. But Cliff Kingsbury did say it's no big deal. More like precautionary things, as you would kind of see during this time of year. Teams want to be cautious and don't get anyone hurt. Like we always say, Wins don't count during the preseason. Injuries do. Same situation here because they need him until DeAndre Hopkins comes back. Also on the pup list still, Logan Thomas, who suffered a pretty brutal knee injury. Uh, we'll see what happens out there in Washington because they don't necessarily have a great option behind him, which gives a little bit of an idea that maybe Cole Turner, the tight end from Nevada, could be a sneaky play in some deeper leagues if Logan Thomas isn't ready. Michael Gallup also on the pup list, but it's assumed that he will be back sooner rather than later as Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys get their likely number two receiver back behind CeeDee Lamb. And once he's back, he'll be fighting with Jalen Tolbert. I think um, Michael Thomas also was activated from the pup list, which was a surprise to some of us. Uh, got his work in on Wednesday, ran routes against air with no real noticeable limp. Guys, professional athletes look good against air. 
shocker. Like guys look good, really athletic dudes wearing shorts all of a sudden look really muscular during summer. I don't know why we forget this every single year, but hey, here we are. Uh, but those are kind of some uh, some little stories and things we kind of need to keep an eye on. But like I said, don't take too much, uh, don't put too much weight on some of these pump uh, or NFI designations. We'll kind of see how things kind of play out through as we get closer to the season. Let teams be cautious, and then we'll kind of readjust our rankings and on a need be basis. Uh, so on that, we'll kind of get to the meat of today's podcast. We're kind of looking at some of these early ADP trends we're seeing, whether guys are overvalued or undervalued, kind of based off where not just like our rankings, projections, and things like that. Like, where do we see some potential value, or where are some guys that are probably going a little bit higher than they should? We're going to kick things off with the override and get to like, it's like, hey, do you want the good news or the bad news first? We're going to start with the bad and finish with the good. So we kind of send everyone out here with a little bit of a smile on their face and hope with some guys that can attack at good value. For me, the first player for me that I'm going to say is actually a little bit overvalued. And I don't think it's going to be necessarily much of a surprise. Uh, if you've listened to the podcast before now, I'm looking at Javante Williams as someone who I feel is still overvalued. Currently over on sleeper as the RB9. 19th overall come off the board, so a back half of the second round. A lot of people are drafting Javante Williams saying, look, if anything happens to Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams will be a league winner. I don't doubt that one damn bit. I'm with you. I agree. But at the same time, I don't really want to be drafting someone in the second round where I'm saying, if X happens to player Z, then this guy takes off. I just want good value from my draft pick. And I still think we're seeing this pre-Melvin Gordon returning to Denver ADP baked into Javante Williams. And I'm not sure it's really going to change because Melvin Gordon is still ranked fairly low based off where I would have him at. For me, I think he's more right around that running back 30, if not slightly a little bit higher. But if you look in draft boards, he's going well outside of that. For me, I know for myself and for Cats both, he's an auto pick for us. And when we comes on the board, that eighth, that eighth round, roughly, Melvin Gordon on the board, sign me up every single time. Last year, we know these running backs work together very well in tandem, rushing 203 times each. Williams turned those those into 903 rushing yards, just 18 behind his teammate with four rushing touchdowns, where he did have the edge, was in the receiving game, recording 43 receptions for just over 315 yards with three more scores. It's that efficiency per carry. He's that bull. He's that bulldozer. Fifth in missed tackles. 10th and uh, sorry, seventh in yards of t- rushes of 10 yards or more, and seventh in yards after contact, despite being 15th in carries. And we saw a glimpse of what he could be. And I think is why we're so high on him now, where he and those weeks 12 through 14, where he was averaging 12.4 uh, PPR points per game, which is fantastic. But at the same time, he only averaged 12.1 last year. Melvin Gordon was 12.2. Gordon was the RB 24 in, P- in PPR points per game with Javante Williams at 26. I don't think it's going to be that dead 50-50 split. I think it's probably going to be a little more closer to a 60-40. But a 60-40 Javante Williams, in my opinion, is not worth RB9 value. I am going to be a little lower on him because I think Melvin Gordon came back here because he wants a role. Like he had said that throughout the entire offseason where he still wanted to be a feature part of a backfield. I think Denver will be much better, but I don't think Melvin Gordon is going anywhere. So for me, I am more, I'm a little off on Javante in my personal rankings. This is just me and half PPR. I have him as my RB17. So for him, see him going as the RB9. For me, that makes Javante Williams a little bit overvalued for the 2022 season. Cats, do you have any input on this one? Or do you want to kind of move on to your 
first player who you have to be overvalued? I think you've said it all, Javante Williams. The only thing that I will add is that uh, I mostly share your opinion, but my issue with Javante is less where he's ranked amongst running backs. I do think he'll end up in that RB12-13 range by the time we start drafting in later August, early September, but more so that I can't bring myself to take him over any of the wide receivers going around that 2-3 turn. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's the players you're taking around, not just in their own position. Yes. So we're shifting over to another running back that I think is overvalued, and that is Nick Chubb. And I have Nick Chubb as an overvalued pretty much every year. Fantasy managers just seem to have this blind spot when it comes to Chubb. Yes, they have there a show for Chubb. <laughs> it's a PG program, Tommy. Yes, Chubb might be the single best runner in the NFL. I think you can make a very good argument for that. But in fantasy football, he's just a floor guy. And for me, I'm not a floor guy in fantasy football. Upside wins championships, and I want a ceiling. Here's Chubb's points per game averages the past three seasons. 15.4, 17.3, 15.9. You're getting about a 16 point per game guy, and I don't really see any hope for anything much more than that. Whether it's Jacoby Brissett or Deshaun Watson under center, Neither of them really throws to running backs. In 2020, last time we saw Watson on a football field, he targeted running backs just 17% of the time. In 2019, last time Brissett started for a full season, he threw to running backs just 18.7% of the time. Chubb's target shares past two seasons, 6.3%, 5.2% the year before. Kareem Hunt is the passing down back. We know this. But even if Kareem Hunt were to get hurt, we actually saw it for a brief moment last year, the third down job went to Dearness Johnson. They're the only hope that Chubb has for any sort of spike season is an outlier touchdown total. But the thing is, we saw what that looks like. It happened in 2020. He scored 12 touchdowns in 12 games, and he still averaged just 17.3 points per game. And don't get me wrong, 17 points per game is excellent. I'll take that every day. Absolutely. But the problem for me is that I'm perfectly fine with taking that at like the 2-3 turn. But Chubb's typically going much higher than that. Usually he goes around the early second round. I think that's where he's going to go again. I just can't bring myself to take him there. I need somebody with a higher ceiling. Yeah. I mean, Chubb's one of those few guys who you feel like you can say, hey, who's going to rush for 1,500 yards with 10 touchdowns? Like, there's a handful of guys, and Chubb is always going to be in that handful. I think one of the biggest things for me is just the question mark of just what's going on in Cleveland. And until Judge Sue Robinson comes out with whatever her ruling will be on the Sean Watson situation, then we can readjust all of our rankings and projections for the Cleveland Browns. But for right now, it's like, what do we do? I don't know. But no matter what she says, it's not like the ball's going to be going to Nick Chubbs more often in the passing game, regardless of who was in the backfield, whether Jacoby Brissett or uh, Deshaun Watson. I think Chubb is, I think it's a worth pick. Like I, you have, like I said, I think ADP right now, it's like number nine. I've got him just outside of number 14 for me behind Alvin Kamara. I can make a case where I can put Cam Akers over top of him, but I'm not going to do that one right now. I don't want to get too hot takey. It's too early in the day for me to be doing hot takes. I don't, I don't want to do it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, but I will start off with my number two overall uh, overvalued player. We'll get one more for you. We'll kind of move to the uh, undervalued. I'm going to take a look at wide receiver here. I'm heading over towards the Pittsburgh Steelers with Deontay Johnson, currently coming off the board as the wide receiver 13. Overall, 39th. So just outside those first three rounds, kind of like when you're sitting there on the turn, that 3-4, kind of right there in that range. And I think the first thing I want to say, Deontay Johnson is one of the best route runners in the NFL. I love his skills. I think Pittsburgh's knocked it out of the park when they select him out of Toledo. The problem with Deontay Johnson has always been, I think efficiency has been always been a problem with him, but that's also kind of been just the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. You back to year one, 92 targets. Uh, Johnson was sixth in the NFL with 144 in 2022. Um, I'm sorry, in 2020, because uh, that was the year we saw the return of Ben Roethlisberger after this time. However, like amongst receivers who saw 100 plus targets, Deontay Johnson was 14th in receptions, 29th in catch rate, 24th in yards, 34th in air yards, and 33rd in fantasy points per target. It's like the volume was there, but he wasn't efficient. Like last year, he had a career year, reeled in 107 passes for 1,161 yards and eight touchdowns, finishing at 16.7 PPR points per game, which was ninth amongst receivers. His 169 targets were were tied with Devontae Adams for second most, only behind Cooper Cup. He was fifth in receptions, eighth in total points, but once again, he lacked efficiency. He was 77th in fantasy points per target at 1.6 and 93rd in yards per target at 6.87 of receivers who had 25 targets or more. It kind of fits when you look at his A-dot and how the Pittsburgh Steelers utilized him and also Ben Roethlisberger getting the ball out quicker than any quarterback and having the second lowest intended yards per target. Like So once again, we're there with volume. He recorded a team-high 28% target share, 43% of the wide receiver share, and he was a wide receiver too, so which is top 24 or better, in 69% of his games, which was very nice. My question and my concern is, what's this Pittsburgh Steelers offense going to look like this year? We know Ben is no longer here. Honestly, that might be a good thing in a certain way. The Hall of Fame quarterback Pittsburgh Steelers fans and Yenzers have leaned on since back when he was drafted out of Miami, Ohio. He hasn't been around since 2018, 2019. We've been watching a ghost of Ben Roethlisberger on the field. So honestly, Trubisky or Kenny Pickett could be an upgrade over what we saw. But I don't know if that's necessarily going to change or fix the efficiency of Deontay Johnson and his role of the offense. If they start taking some more shots down deeper, cool. I'd be in on that. But there's also more competition because you replace Juju Smith-Schuster and James Washington with Calvin Austin III out of Memphis. And you also bring in the receiver from Georgia, who I absolutely loved. And for some reason, the name is absolutely escaping George me. Pickens. With George Pickens. Thank you very much. I don't know why I can think about that when he was one of my favorite receivers of this class. Literally, he'd be your brain just blanks. It does. It, it's what happens. It's the offseason still. Uh, he, he's a tier one receiver, if not for the injuries. Uh, so I think for me, the concerns are just of this Pittsburgh Steelers offense. And so I have a hard time taking Deontay Johnson where he is right now when there are several other receivers who I would take over top of him. Guys like Michael Pittman Jr. We talk about DJ Moore. We throw in Mike Williams. My God, Cortland Sutton. We can talk about. So for me, I have Deontay Johnson outside of that are that wide receiver 14 range for them. 
For me, Deontay Johnson is wide receiver 18. So for me, he is one of my more overvalued players heading into drafts as of right now. Cats, why don't you give all of us your number two overrated, overvalued player? I shouldn't say overrated, overvalued player for fantasy football. Yeah, there's no way that Patrick Mahomes is overrated because I still think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. But in fantasy football, Fair. Uh, he's viewed as this like un, untouchable kind of god figure. Because and he has been. He has been. I, it's, but I get it. I, I get it too. I do. We're talking about a guy, though, who still has an ADP of the quarterback two. Um, his worst season since becoming a starter is 20.7 20. points per game. So there is an incredibly high floor here. He's not the best quarterback in fantasy football anymore. And I don't think he's even second or third. And when I you're talking about number 10 stepping on that field in the meantime soon in Kansas City. Yeah, that's that's exactly the point. He, he's lost Tyreek Hill. And since 2018, we've seen Patrick Mahomes' yards per attempt drop every single season. It was 8.8 in 2018, his first year as a starter, 7.4 last year. And that was with Tyreek Hill. You cannot replace Tyreek Hill. You can try. They certainly did. They tried to replace uh, Tyreek Hill, which is the whole, with, with the sum of parts. But the parts are, they, they don't exactly fit. And they, don't, they definitely don't build up a Tyreek Hill. Mahomes averaged 22 fantasy points per game last season. He finishes the quarterback five. And that is excellent. That is also not what it was like back in 2018. I know that was his MVP anomalous season. But we're talking about, we're talking about a significant change from when Mahomes first started. I mean, even if we go back to just 2018, his first season starting, eight quarterbacks averaged over 20 fantasy points per game. Last season, 11 quarterbacks hit that threshold. I just can't justify Mahomes ahead of Justin Herbert or Lamar Jackson. And if I'm being perfectly candid here, I'm really, really considering moving Jalen Hurts ahead of Mahomes as well. And honestly, you can also make arguments for Kyler Murray and Joe Burrow if you really wanted to. And so the point I'm saying here is that Mahomes is closer to those guys than he is to... to uh, to like Josh Allen at the top. And that's not something that we have that we had seen in any year since before we knew that Mahomes was this good heading into the 2018 season. So with his downgraded supporting cast and improvements that other teams have made for their quarterbacks, I think Mahomes is a little bit overvalued as, as QB2 ADP. I, like, we're still talking about a guy who's probably going to finish inside the top seven at the position. Like we're Absolutely. No one's massively down on Patrick Mahomes. We're not saying don't draft Patrick Mahomes. It's just... When we're looking at these, like you have to go through things with a very fine tooth comb. And like you're fighting to find reasons why you should not be drafting some of these players. Like I will never question the talent of Patrick Mahomes. My God, the dude is insane. One of the best players to walk on a football field, despite being very young in his career. But there is some other guys who I think at this point, like you're saying, have made a case to where they might have better situations or at this point, just the, a little more certainty rather than Patrick Mahomes. So for us, as of right now, that'll be Deontay Johnson. I'm sorry, Deontay Johnson, Devontae Williams for me. And for yourself, Nick Chubb and Patrick Mahomes as our overvalued players. So that's enough being down on guys. Let's talk about some some positive things in life. We're going to go with some of our undervalued players. So for guys who, for us, industry and ADPs are just a little bit too low on and actually right now represent a great value in drafts. We're going to see if that holds that way because a lot of these guys we're going to talk about, everyone else is also kind of caught on. So the value isn't quite as great. And I know we can end up getting sniped all the time by guys who know players who we like and are taking them ahead of us. The first one for me, I will start with right now, wide receiver 21 overall of 57 in ADP. But for me in my rankings is the wide receiver 14. And that is Cortland Sutton, the wide receiver of the Denver Broncos. You have probably heard me wax poetically about Cortland Sutton this entire offseason. Like I am 
absolutely all in chips pushed into the table. Give me everything I can involve the court and Sutton. Uh, for me, the debate is much closer between Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy than it is between Judy and Sutton. Go back to 2019 when Sutton had his breakout year, had 72 receptions, just over 1,100 yards and six touchdowns, and earned his very first Pro Bowl selection. Now a year removed from his 2020 torn ACL, Sutton is Russell Wilson's new version of DK Metcalf, and I think we all understand how fruitful that position can be. Like Go back to last year, only 51% of Cortland Sutton's air yards which were 1,509, were converted into actual yards, 776. And believe it or not, Cortland Sutton actually started the season off pretty well, even though we don't remember that. Going back between weeks weeks two through seven, he was averaging just under 14 PPR points per game and had a 27% target share. Then what happened was you end up having an injury happen to all the offense, and they just go super run heavy. This is not going to be the anemic offense that we saw last year. And plus, we're now going to have a guy who is an elite downfield passer. Russell Wilson had the sixth highest passer rating on throws of 20 plus air yards down the field last year. To me, that is just playing so heavily into the strengths of Cortland Sutton and what he can do and the size he brings. Like, he's been doing this since he was down at SMU. He did it in the NFL. It's like, for me, he's now a full, fully removed. We have a brand new offense being tailored around Russell Wilson. Nathaniel Hackett and they have been all been very open that this, look, we are building this offense to suit what Russell Wilson wants to do, similar to what they did when you brought in Peyton Manning out there in Denver. You build an offense around your quarterback. This is what good coaches, this is what good teams and organizations do. For me, that number one on this team is undoubtedly Cortland Sutton. I think the while Jerry Judy will put a good case up there and have his weeks where he flashes, we failed to see the increase and improvement in the route running, which made him so special coming out of Alabama with like rubber band type knees, how well his joints and ligaments can bend at the stem and come out of breaks. But for me, Cortland Sutton is absolutely my guy who I find is very undervalued. Um, I know you probably see different ADPs on other websites. Like I said, we're using Sleeper and for on them, wide receiver 21, 57 overall. Some might be lower, some might be higher. But for me, regardless, I doubt he's going to be inside that top 15, which is where I have him. So for me, Colton Sun is going to be my first player who I feel is undervalued for fantasy football this year. Cats, why don't you give us your first guy you also feel is undervalued? Yeah, nothing I need to add on Colton Sutton. Uh, Tommy, you know that I share, in your opinion, on Sutton being undervalued this Every year. Every single draft you are in, it's who can draft Colton Sutton first. Every time between me and you, it's who can yeah, draft it- Colton Sutton the first. And one of us is always going to be upset. It's no fun to do mocks with you. But what's good is that I don't have any leagues with Tommy, so I don't have to worry about that in the real ones. It's fair. So my first undervalued player is Leonard Fournette. And, you know, I honestly wish that we hadn't had the positive reports of his weight before this because I got to <laughs> say something. I got to say something about about the weights, okay? Because I'm not, I'm not out here to bash anyone, but the reality is it, it, it says something about the, about the type of analysis somebody does if they see that report and their knee-jerk reaction is, oh, I need to lower Leonard Fournette. This, that's more of just, oh, you're reacting to everything you see. You're not digging any deeper. You're paying level to, you're paying too much attention to surface-level analysis. And you need yeah. people that are willing to go deeper than that and understand that this is what Fournette does every year. This is nothing new. And we knew Fournette would get into shape by the time the season started. And apparently, he's already in shape. And there really is no valid argument for fading Leonard Fournette. I, I don't even care if he busts this season. It's certainly possible. We've seen it before. Anything can happen. But fading Fournette, I don't understand the process. 
He averaged 18.3 fantasy points per game last season. Good for an overall RB3 finish. He led all running backs tied with DeAndre Swift with six targets per game. Tom Brady trusts him in pass protection. That gives him a true three-down roll. The two concerns managers point to are his health, and he did miss the end of last season with a hamstring strain. But I don't care about that because all running backs get hurt. I'm not trying to predict injuries. I just want the best players. I'm chasing the ceiling outcome, which involves Fournette staying healthy. And the other concern... I mean, that's why for me, when I do my projections, I don't project anyone to play full 17 games. Injuries happen. Like, so this should not be anything new when a running back gets hurt during a regular season. Exactly. And the other concern is Rashad White. Could he eat into, in, into his role? Tommy, what can you tell people about Rashad White? Rashad White was actually a really... One of my first crushes of this offseason. Listed at 6'2", Did come in a little bit under that. But he was the Sun Devils' top running back. Played in 11 games last year. Rushed for over 1,000 yards with 15 touchdowns on 183 carries. 15.5 per carry. But also adding to his resume. Look, he had almost 50 targets. Caught 43 balls for 456 yards and a score. Like His 1.96 yards per team play over the last two seasons was one of the more impactful running backs in the Pac-12. I think he's got plenty of strength on his side between, I think, versatility he's got you covered between his pass getting capability and also his burst. Because if he's got legitimate wheels, I, I get the 40 time might not have like necessarily showed that, but if he hits that second level, he's gone. Because there's quite a difference between um, just 40 speed and also what are you doing in pads. I care way more about game speed and like GPS speed than I do about what guys do at, when they're running in their underwear in Indianapolis on a winter night. Um, whether zone or gap, like I think he actually worked out pretty well there. The thing that honestly disappointed me, and I think that was probably the biggest weakness that I saw, was physicality. Like White is not someone you want in pass protection, which we know is very important to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think the other issue for me was contact balance. For a guy his size, he went down far too often to those little ankle biter style carries and and tackles. So like I, I know that White will have a role in this team. He's not some incredibly polished product coming out of college. Like he's the RB four of this class because this class wasn't great. This is not necessarily an indictment on Fournette. It's just who where he where White was in this class. Like I like him, but I don't think we should be overvaluing him when it comes to Leonard Fournette. And that's exactly how I feel. The last time the Bucks took a rookie running back in the third round, where they took Rashad White, was Keyshawn Vaughn back in 2020. And while while White is definitely a better prospect than Vaughn was, Vaughn touched the ball 31 times his entire rookie season. I just don't see a Rashad White eating into a healthy Leonard Fournette's role that much, if at all. And even if he does, where Fournette is going in drafts in, in around, around the late second round, he doesn't need the volume he got last year to return value. He was the RB3 last year. It, based on where he's going, if he finishes as a low RB1, he averaged 16 points per game. That's what's lopping off two fantasy points per game from his total from last year, he will still be a value at his current ADP. This is the third highest scoring running back in fantasy, and now we're in a situation where the only meaningful change in his offense is a decrease in target competition with Gronk mm-hmm. retiring and Antonio Brown quitting. Yes, I know that Julio Jones is there, but I, Kyle Rudolph certainly doesn't move the needle for me, and Julio Jones is is not what Antonio Brown was, as we discussed earlier. Uh, Fournette's being drafted as an, RB, as an RB2, and I have him as a mid-RB1. So I, I love Fournette this year. I mean, he also lost Ronald Jones, who's now there in Kansas City. And honestly, for me, if I look at Rashad White, he's more of an impact on someone like Giovanni Bernard to be that third down roll and like two-minute drill kind of guy where he can receive the ball than he is to take all the carries away from, from Leonard Fournette. I think he'll be there and something happens to Fournette. But I don't think we should be dropping Fournette down our rankings at all 
for anything to do with with Rashad White. For me, if you're not drafting Fournette, it's because you just don't think he's going to produce more than you think of the impact is going to come from the rookie. Um, for me, I'll move on to my final one of the undervalued guys, and I'm going to stick with the receiver. This is going to be a guy that, for some reason, people are just absolutely out on, and I'm trying to figure out why. For me, that is Allen Robinson of the now Los Angeles Rams, who, by the way, shout out to the Rams and that Super Bowl ring that you guys pulled off. That is one of the coolest Super Bowl, coolest championship rings, period, I have seen. I don't know if you got to see that, cast or not, the uh, Super Ring they have. Did you see that? I actually haven't, but now I got to go look it up because Dude, you're you've got, me it's you've got cool. to look it up. It actually comes apart. It looks like SoFi Stadium. It comes apart in two pieces and actually has like the field and everything. Ever since Golden State Warriors had the two piece take apart ring, everyone else had to step up their game. NFL is finally now on board and we'll see if Allen Robinson gets a chance to get one of those rings. Now you look over on sleeper overall of, of number 70 wide receiver 25 at his position for me personally. I have him as wide receiver 17. I am very much all in on Allen Robinson. For me, it's this was not Robinson's fault. What happened in Chicago? If we're given all the excuses for like for Justin Fields saying that this was, you know, Matt Nagy and all this stuff in the organization, why are we not doing the same thing for Allen Robinson? Like the guy played on the franchise tag for multiple straight years and just had zero efficiency on this team. Um, look at what he did. A hamstring did limit him to 12 games last year and just, but he just never seemed to get on the same page with Justin Fields. just in this offense. It just lacked any continuity or any consistency caught 38 receptions for 410 yards with just one touchdown. Those were all career lows for Allen Robinson outside of his one game, 2017 campaign where he's tore, tore his ACL. Uh, he needed out of Chicago, like in a bad way. He got out of there and went to one of the best passing offenses in the NFL, like Allen Robinson has multiple seasons of high level play, including a 98 plus 98 plus receptions and 110 yards or more in his previous two seasons. So go back to 2019, 2020. This guy was putting up nearly 100 catches and 1100 yards. He's now he's one of the least talked about elite receivers in the NFL. And he's going to a spot where we know someone can have absolute success. Go back to last year. What did Robert Woods do alongside Cooper Cup? In his nine games, Woods averaged 7.7 targets, five receptions, 62 yards, and 0.56 touchdowns per game. That's 16 PPR points per game and on a 17-game pace of 130 receptions, 130 targets, 85 receptions, over 1,000 yards, and 10 touchdowns. That's 270 PPR points with now a better wide receiver. There's nothing on a shot at Bobby Trees. I love myself some Bobby Trees. But Allen Robinson is just that damn good. Like, what happened to him out there? Like, I don't, that's not an Allen Robinson issue. That was just a Chicago issue. They don't have Odo Beckham Jr. on this team, who would have been that number three kind of work together on this whole roster. You're looking at between like Van Jefferson trying to be that number three. Allen Robinson as the number two on this team has just absurd upside. And yet, right now, he's being drafted as someone who's not even a wide receiver, two. For me, I have him well inside as a mid-wide receiver too right now. As my wide receiver 17, for where he's going in drafts, for me, I think he's an absolute steal. Far too often I'm able to get him right now as my wide receiver three. I would love, if I could walk in every draft and tell me I can get Allen Robinson as my wide receiver three, whatever else happens, happens. I'm, I'm a happy camper. 
We'll see if this holds as the season goes on, because I'm pretty sure when tape and highlight films come out of training camp, people will start to realize how good Allen Robinson is. I don't think he'll be the value that we're seeing right now, but I have a hard time seeing him getting up into cracking the teens of the wide receiver position. So for me, Allen Robinson joins Cortland Sutton as my two undervalued players for Fantasy Football this year. Cats, go ahead and give me your final one here. I got a feeling this is going to be a veteran that me and you both agree on. Yeah, we've agreed on a lot of these undervalued guys, and I can tell you that what you're seeing here, if you're in any leagues with me, don't listen to it anymore because because, uh, <laughs> because th- this is what I want in an auction league. Because I think that by the time ADP rolls around, you won't be able to get both Sutton and A-Rob because of where they're going. But in an auction, yeah. man, I if, if I can get if I can spend up for Leonard Fournette as my RB1 and then get a tar- starting receivers of Cortland Sutton and Allen Robinson and then pair them with this third guy, I would be thrilled, and that is Adam Thielen. Currently mm-hmm. sitting in an ADP of wide receiver 30, 72nd overall. It's too low. I, I don't understand it. After playing all 16 games from 2016 to 2018, Thielen has dealt with some injuries the past three seasons, missing a total of 11 games. He's also 32 years old. This pretty much encapsulates why fantasy managers are fading him this season, despite the fact that Thielen has shown no signs of slowing down. Even though he's at the age at which receivers typically fall off considerably, he is not mm-hmm. a true 32-year-old in terms of miles. He was a 24-year-old rookie, UDFA, who didn't break out until his age 26 season. And he also has a skill set that should allow him to remain effective into his mid-30s. This is not a guy that relies on athleticism like someone like Julio Jones, who is going to break down much quicker than Adam Thielen. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, he averaged 15.4 points per game last season in 13 games before he got hurt. That's 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 high wide receiver two numbers. I don't have to take Thielen until the sixth round. If I can even get a half season of mid wide receiver two production, that is a pick I will make every time. Give me all the Adam Thielen at his current price. And it's also supposed to be a more explosive offense now. They're kind of getting to the 21st century with his offense now under Kevin O'Connell. Um, I think the other thing is like, look, guys are fading Adam Thielen because of like they're saying, oh, well, he's an injury risk. He's not coming off an ACL tear, guys. He's not coming off an Achilles or a meniscus. The injury for Adam Thielen is nothing that like is going to impact him right now. Like the dude's perfectly healthy, and so fantasy was fading Adam Thielen because he scored too many touchdowns. Last time I checked, that's something we like in our offense. So yeah, well, unquestionably, Jefferson Justin, Justin Jefferson is the the wide receiver one and could be the overall wide receiver one this year. Wouldn't be surprised. But I think to discount Adam Thielen too much is probably a little bit extreme. I know you have my wide receiver twenty five. He's twenty seven for me. So we both are above consensus and above ADP. I'm with you. Give me Adam Thielen all day long at his current price. Uh, But that's going to wrap it up for today's episode of the Premier Fantasy Football Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please feel free to head over and leave a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. It does greatly help the show grow and helps extend the word of what we are talking about here on the show. Also, stay up to date with all the latest around the news around the league by heading over to profootballnetwork.com where you can find analysis covering not only fantasy football, but breaking news around the league, college football, betting, the NFL draft. And right now we are starting our training camp tour with in-person visits to all camps around the league. So you can find all information there. Check out the PFN Pass. Also head over to our Discord to get yourself more information. And remember, it is not too early to start getting your mock drafts in for the 2023 season using the PFN MDS, which you can find over at profootballnetwork.com forward slash mock draft. You can follow Jason over on Twitter at JasonCats13 and myself at Tommy Garrett PFN over on the bird. Speaking for Jason, I am Tommy, and we will see you guys on the next episode of the show.